0: This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, Session 102, and the quote of the day is from the Dalai Lama who said, When you talk, you are only repeating what you already know, but if you listen, you may learn something new. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals, information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast, and this session is brought to you by Drum Magazine. And if you want to play better, be sure that you're checking out Drum Magazine every month. It's not just a bunch of cliche Q&As, but they have in-depth profiles and gear reviews and some of the best lessons you'll find anywhere. Like they just came out with an article, 43 Shuffles That Every Drummer Should Know. Check them out or subscribe today at drummagazine.com. This session is also brought to you by Boso Bamboo Drumsticks, the world's first full line of bamboo drumsticks. Check them out at BosoDrumsticks.com and use the promo code PODCAST and save 15% off your entire order. Also, one piece of uh, business to take care of, just to let everybody know, I'm going to be closing the contest for the 100th session, uh, the giveaway contest. And there's a bunch of gear from Boso, from, from Aquarian Drumheads, from Drum Magazine, from Drum Channel, Prologix, Percussion, Percussive Arts Society. Um, and if you want to enter to win some of these prizes, head over to drummersresource.com forward slash 100, 100. And that's part of the 100th episode giveaway. And let's get into this interview. The interview I have today is Russ Lawton from the Trey Anastasio band. And this is a really special interview for me because I've been listening to Fish and Trey Anastasio for years and years. Um, so I'm very familiar with, with Russ's work because he's also a co-writer on some of the Trey stuff. So uh, definitely really excited to have Russ on the show. And he actually sent me a message saying that, that he checks out the podcast, which is super cool. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad to have him on the show. So let's get into it with Mr. Russ Lawton. Russ, what's happening, man? Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it.
1: Hey, you're welcome. I'm pleasure to be here, man. I'm psyched.
0: You, I have to say, man, you're you're maybe like the the fourth or fifth drummer that is that has reached out and just to say, or fourth or fifth well known drummer to just reach out and say, hey, man, I like your podcast, and not asked to get interviewed or not asked, you know, it was totally just you saying that you dug the podcast. So I really just want to say that I appreciate that, man. I, I sincerely, I. I it's a labor of love and to, to have people, um, of your stature to say, to say that they enjoy the podcast means a lot to me. So thank you.
1: Oh, oh you're welcome, man. I really, seriously, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy them and I do a lot of driving or traveling. So it's been really, I'm trying to catch up cause I'm coming, i come on, jump onto these a little late for some reason. And so I got a lot more to go. So I'm trying yeah, to,
0: man, we're almost at a hundred. So
1: it's like the Netflix, you know, what do they, <laughs> they call it? When you do like you, you binge. Uh, the, uh, well, it's in the in the queue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i'm doing i'm doing the, the podcast of uh the drummer's resource binge
0: that's i like to hear it and, you know it's funny a lot of people uh tell me that they they listen to you know when they're on the road and like i know chris from oar is like i don't miss i don't miss an episode he's like because i'm on the road so much i i listen to them all so i appreciate it
1: yeah no it's great uh, it's really it's really wonderful i've been telling all my students and friends have you checked these out man
0: <laughs> and i just feel like I, for me i'm like man i just get to hang out and talk to all these drummers all the time and i can't believe that other people want to listen to it too which is cool yeah
1: yeah but it's yeah it's very interesting oh i love this stuff i read i read a lot of like autobiographies of people like you know musicians and Mm -hmm. all it's always stuff is so interesting you know
0: awesome yeah i actually just got um just got back from drum channel and they gave me a bunch of dvds to watch that you know a bunch of drum channel dvds i was like oh man i'm gonna be i'm gonna be Inside of these things for a little while, I was just watching the uh, the Zigaboo one last night, which is great. I don't know if you've seen that one yet.
1: Yeah, I have that one. I
0: have that. Uh, it's so good with him and James Gadson and Jonathan Moffat and Don Lobart. Such a good, such a good DVD. Yeah,
1: I, I, yeah, I think that's the one I have. I have one. Yeah, I met him, man. He was at my gig in Oakland couple years ago I was like yeah Zig's out there I'm like, uh, <laughs> does, does, like the does he want to play and I'll just sit sit out and watch all right <laughs> the, the, the crew likes to do that to me sometime man yeah Stuart Copeland's out there you're nervous I'm like what at some point you're just like I just could I at least I know these songs really well you know <laughs> right.
0: I'll just play my parts and be done
1: with it yeah and that's all you can do really I mean you can't you don't want to show off or anything. right
0: right 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 <laughs> Well, as you know um, from listening to some of the podcasts, I always like to get the, the history of the drummer that I have on. So I always like to hear how you got into drumming because everybody's story is different. Some people grew up in music. Some people you know, it just fell into it somehow. So what's your story? How did you get into playing?
1: Well, I grew up in this, uh, this uh, little city, New Bedford, Mass. Um, and it's, pretty, it's a pretty big uh, drum corps scene. So I, be, I tell the story before. I just said in an interview – I'm half Portuguese and the Portuguese feast they have every year, they had this parade coming down the street and the drums, you know, get the drum line coming down and I'm like, you know, eight years old and I'm getting this big lump in my throat. I'm like, what's going on right now? You know, and it's like really moving me. And I don't know how to, you know, like, this is just amazing, but what is this? You know? So it was like, I got kind of in through and my cousin played in the drum chorus. So I started hanging around the rehearsal hall there near my house and they asked me to play, you know, and I had my drumstick. So I was like this little kid and they show me Play a paradiddle, kid. And I'm like, oh, what's that? You know? Right, right. So I kind of started with that and really did, did the whole drum, drum and bugle core. It wasn't marching band. It was like drum and bugle core. That was the whole thing. And, mm-hmm. and um, well, I'd do competitions on the weekends and stuff. And I'd started with that. And then once I got a drum set, it was kind of all over. I uh, started getting to more rock than right. the drum core stuff. Then, so
0: now, did you did you take a lot of the stuff that you were learning in drum corps and start to apply it to the drum? Because I know some people have a hard time transitioning from whether it's drum corps, drum, drum and bugle corps, uh, marching band, and, and y- applying that onto the drum set.
1: Well, it, it's funny you say that because, I mean, I use the rudiments, but I know, like, my cousin would play, and I noticed on the drums, he would be a little, his feel would be a little, like, rudimental. So I right. it was, it was like, wow, okay, so I got to kind of, Keep the rudiments in there, but kind of you know really work on my feel, you mm-hmm.
0: know.
1: Mm-hmm. So and, I, you know, it really helped though having those rudiments for a bass. You know? Sure,
0: I, you know, I I have said this numerous times that I wish I had spent more time playing march playing in marching band and all this. I'd never I was never in marching band. I was never in, in uh, you know bugle drum and bugle corps or anything like that. And regrettably, because now you know looking back, I'm like, man, if I, I could have learned all this stuff and then applied it to the drums and sort of you know developed the feel behind it like you said but i would have all the chops to you know now i'm like trying i'm like trying to learn paradiddles at 34 years old and you know
1: <laughs> i i got I, yeah what, what yeah i know it's really because i remember they would say my cousin would be doing all these like rad like kind of so he would give him the solo and i would just play flams behind him or something you know and it'd mm. be like i'd be like whoa how do you do that <laughs> right you know there's always so many you know he just was total rudimental guy. You know.
0: So, so, do you feel like you're still a strong rudimental player now?
1: I, I do, and I mean, i really kept it going. You know, like mm-hmm. when I started taking lessons, I, you know, I got into stick control and accents or rebounds, and that Charlie Wilcox, and I have that always. Like I, I, I need to really warm up before I play. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I warm up with some. I always have a page of that just to kind of warm up for a little bit. Yeah. So just go down, like you know get some tea and like i'm hit the drum like oh i shouldn't have done that because you start your muscles or something you know so yeah i still keep up because it's amazing i stopped for a while and somebody gave me this page from alan dawson that rudimental ritual and i hadn't really practiced my rudiments for a while and i did it and i was like oh this is kind of hard this one's weird and then at the gig that night i just i could tell the difference really i was like this I was felt so smoother. Maybe it's psychological on it, but I just it really opened. Hey, my whatever eyes. works. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, at that point, I was like, you just gotta keep just because you've been through like four books on rudiments or whatever. You need to keep every day just touch base on it a little bit, you know. Right. And and I've done that ever since. That was like ten years ago. What's What's the Alan Dawson book called? Uh, it's a page. It's called the Rudimentary Ritual, and I think it's like three or four pages. Somebody just gave me a handout. It might have been something when he was teaching at Berkeley that he hmm. was giving out. It, I'm not sure if it's in a book at all,
0: but I'm going to look it up. But if, if I can't find it, I'm going to hit you up because I want to, I want to see it. I want a copy of it or something. Yeah. I work, I actually work out of that, uh, the Charlie Wilcoxon book every day um, with a bunch of other guys. Uh, we always get together every morning and play. We have this the, the a drum breakfast club in the morning that we all get together and, and play drums and, And uh, so I work out it like that Wilcoxon book and all that stuff. But, but I'm always looking for, for new and exciting things. So I don't know about the, the rudimental rituals thing. So I want to check that out. I'll
1: have to look down cellar and see if I, I, I'm sure I I save everything. I got my lessons from when I was a kid, you know, and and stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. Cause you you know, you do the feet and they do Mm -hmm. the hands. It's great.
0: Nice. So speaking, you had mentioned uh, lessons from, from when you were a kid. So after you were uh, doing the drum and bugle stuff, what going from there, did you seek out professional instruction for the drum kit? or
1: No, actually, oddly enough, I didn't. I, I just sort of did it on my own. And it wasn't until I was probably like, 18 and 19 that I really decided I really wanted to like pursue this to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I was around other musicians that had a few years older than me that went to heart conservatory or whatever. And they came back and they were definitely kicking my butt. You know, mm-hmm. it was like, I went to high school on Cape Cod. So it was a little insular scene. It wasn't like a lot, you know, tons of musicians. So your, your friends come back and then, you know, they're like really learning and playing, you know, being on a bigger scene, you know, right. Even, you know, so, that's when I started taking lessons then, but I played every day and Mm -hmm. just played what I wanted to play. Had, you know, come up, run home from school and play my drums, you know? Right,
0: right, right. So who who were you, who'd you study with?
1: I studied with this guy, Gene Roma. He's from Berkeley. And then he went on his own, and uh, he did a lot of Broadway stuff. He's retired now. He's in his seventies. Uh, oh, okay. I just got touched through Facebook. That's what's cool about Facebook. It I, is cool. Sometimes it's cool.
0: Sometimes it's not. But a lot yeah, of times. Yeah, it's that's
1: cool. what I mean. <laughs> but, but he plays like at this gig near my parents' house, and I, I like you know, I want to go go back and surprise. Go check him, him out because he really helped me a lot. You know, he put you on that next level. You know. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know a lot of unanswered questions you have when you're just a self-taught drummer, you know.
0: Sure, sure. So let's talk about it a little bit because I always love to give the listeners a little bit more in-depth knowledge about about practicing and 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 how you can really maximize practice. Because I think you know a lot of people have problems practicing or never. the The most common question I get is, "What do I practice? How should I practice? How much time should I practice a day?" Um, so let's talk a little bit about, about your practice routine, maybe then, and also now, uh, some things that you think are key to work on.
1: Yeah. Well, back then, and when I was single and you know, hanging up, I was practicing a lot more, <laughs> right? <laughs> I had less, I, I was blown off the dishes and, you know, like less responsibility, <laughs> <laughs> but now I try to balance And then now it's, you know, whatever it's business too. You've got to keep your business together, and, mm-hmm. but you know. Now, it just back then, I just practiced everything. Then, you, you know, whatever, whatever my teacher was giving me or again, too. And then whatever, once I was in bands, whatever band I was in. So my my best balance back then or it was, you know, you, rehearse, you practice a couple hours. I was every day and then I would rehearse with my band that night or mm-hmm. I had a gig. So I, I had the required like every day, at least a couple hours before the gig, I'd have to practice.
0: You know? Right, right, right. And, and then especially if you're working on the stuff during the day and then you're rehearsing at night, you sort of let, you know, sort of works itself into your playing musically rather than you just trying it out on a gig and, hey, maybe, yeah, th- yeah. hopefully, maybe this works. Maybe this doesn't work.
1: Yeah, no, that doesn't work. It gets you fired. No. Yes, it does. <laughs> oh, your, fr- your friends hate you. Or they, you know, oh, they they call you out. Like, I've been in a lot of bands and they just, they, we call each other out like, what's going on, man? Right. <laughs>
0: well, it's, you know, it's, I think it's good for people to know that, you know, there's, if you're learning this I'm not a big fan of like learning licks, but if you're learning these new licks, then just pulling them out just to fit them into the song is completely unmusical and, and it's not going to fit with the song. And like you said, it's going to get you fired or it's not going to win you any, any friends.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. And and just, but that's, that's part for me of being a mature musician. Like I I play with this, uh, I was in this amazing West African band called zebra for a long time. And as I got comfortable with the music, I remember the percussionist. It was his band. And he pulled me aside one night. You know, as I as I was like twenty two at the time. As I got comfortable with the music, I started overplaying, just naturally mm-hmm. what you do at that age. And we had the accent. and It goes, my brother man. I like when you play simple man in the beginning. And it shocked me because I loved the band so much. And I was realizing I'm overplaying, man. I'm going to get booted off yeah. this gig. Yeah. And I don't want to because I love this band. Mm-hmm. And it was a it, w- it was a wake up call. Sure.
0: Know? Now, do you think that that, that maturity or that um that type of playing can you learn that or is it just something that happens naturally like or let me rephrase that can you do you think you can study that sort of thing or that's just something that happens after you get yelled at enough times on the bandstand or you know or it just mature you mature over the years
1: i think you mature and i think you're just happy with not always trying to prove the lick that you like you know some you know thing Mm -hmm. Uh, but but and I think by listening to, and now it's so easy to record all the time, you know? Right. So I remember times we would do like these radio shows and like everything would be so fast and we'd be like, whoa, <laughs> and, you know, it was like, okay, maybe we were to think about these tempos a little bit, you know, so <laughs> you learn. And I think by recording and stuff and mm-hmm. really helps too, but I think you can learn it. And if somebody's telling you too, like that, in that case, this band was like really important to me. And, and I just, you don't realize sometimes you're just a kid. Sure. Sure. On, you
0: know? mm-hmm. So, who were some of the the influences that you had when when you were younger?
1: Well, you know, I, I grew up in a time, obviously, when it was all the greats you know, of the rock era. You know, right. I grew, You know, the I saw the Beatles and Ed Sullivan. You know, nice. <laughs> when I was a kid, you know? But then you know, Hendrix came along, totally freaked me out. You know that. Mm-hmm. And then when John Bottom came you know with Zeppelin. I just I remember I was at this little gig when I moved to Cape Cod and all these the band kept talking about Led Zeppelin. I'm like, who's Led Zeppelin? Then I went out and bought an album and the next day I'm like, oh Led Zeppelin <laughs> you know at this bottom and just you know all those guys. I remember being on the bus as a kid in here in White Room by with Ginger mm-hmm. Breaker, freaking out over that groove. Just yeah. like, what is this? Is you know, I was just prime for that whole that whole era, and I've kept going after that. But that was my base of what I was listening to, you know. Mm-hmm. Pretty great drummers, you know.
0: I, I and, was. Uh, what's that?
1: And, and great. I mean, I always want to say great drummers, but great songs, great. Yeah. You, know, you know, it's not. not was great just bands. Into, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly.
0: Sorry, had to take a little sip of my uh, coffee there.
1: Uh, looks good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing an interview one time, and somebody was like, "I like that you're that you're drinking a Guinness at at ten a.m." I was like, no, man, that's coffee. Come on. I said, what's wrong with you? And then I grabbed my water and I said, but this is vodka.
1: Yeah, right. (laughs) No drinking in the day. No,
0: no, thank you. No, thank you. So, you know, it's funny. I was just um, I just had the pleasure of sitting down with Greg Bissonette the other day. And um, and, you know, he's been touring with with Ringo for for quite some time now, a few years and was telling me just how ridiculously musical he was so like you know not only were the Beatles absolutely amazing but like every you know every there, there wasn't a weak link in the band and I think that sadly a lot of people overlook Ringo as being like this super musical drummer
1: yeah
0: and I mean you what what, what are your thoughts on him man because I, I I like hearing people's thoughts on because some people are like oh he's overrated and some people are like he's the, you know he's the greatest
1: I love Ringo man. me too I go back, me too I, I, <laughs> I I, I listen to those things and I freak out even more than I did when I I, I missed the boat. I must admit when I was a kid because of my, you know, that era, I I didn't realize how much swing he had in his playing. Mm -hmm. I try to always achieve more of that, you know, and it just just shuffles and this. Ah, man, can you imagine coming up with parts for those songs for the Beatles? Hey, I get a new song because I've been doing that for years. I'd be like, whoa, just like (laughs) incredible, right? I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I love Ringo, man. Me too. there's a song we do with, with Trey called Greyhound Rising. I'm trying to mm. chang- channel Ringo as much as possible. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, it's, he's great. He, he, I know people wank on that guy and it bums me out. Definitely. They, yeah. You know, and I always tell, you know, my young students, they may be like, oh, go yeah, well, you, John Bonham wouldn't fit. In, he's a great drummer, but he, he, that wouldn't, he wouldn't fit in the Beatles. No. He's Ringo, man. You know, right. it's like right. perfect guy for the job.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, like you said, man, I, some people, some people uh, try to tear him down a little bit and and say that you know what's the saying? They're like, oh, Ringo wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles.
1: Yeah, you know, and I'm like, exactly, come, yeah, right. I'm like,
0: come on, man. I I agree with you. I do agree. So we're at least we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Especially and talking to Greg Bissonette about it, saying like, you know, he's he's like he's the most musical drummer I've ever seen or heard. And he's like, and I get to watch him up close every single night. Yeah, you know, it's just amazing
1: yeah greg's i remember just read that i think he was in modern drummer greg and he was talking about the end of the article playing with ringo he says the hardest thing is like getting those tempos every night and getting those songs correct and like yeah man that's been my job all these years people though you're not going to get drummers like flash credit but it's hard man yeah i i achieve in that mom tour with trey man to get those tempos locked every night and that thing man Mm -hmm. good you know Yep. you know it's take it's
0: It's not, it's not, you know, like uh, I remember watching a video with Steve Jordan, him saying that, you know, playing simplistically and playing a a deep pocket is not stupidity and it's not easy, you know, and he's like, you can try it. Go, go try it. And he makes that face. He's like, just get in there and just let that beat just sit there. And he was like, you try it sometime and see how easy
1: it is, you know. I, lo- I love that. I share that with the bass player from uh, Aaron from Pork Turnhead. We talk about that that section of that video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see if you could see if you can do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's true.
0: That. Like that's why yeah. you know, um Counting Crows first record, the August and everything after with Steve Bowman on drums, is like one of my favorite records of all time people are like really that's one of your fr-? and I'm like man let go listen to that record listen to Steve play from beginning to end and there's nothing there's nothing crazy there's nothing flashy but it's so musical and every single thing that he plays fits and it's yeah. it's perfect even the fills you know just like he does like these real slow like flam fills around the toms it's just like bloom 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 Bloom, 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 and it's like it's huge because he's not playing anything. So it's things like that 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 really blow my mind. Rather than seeing somebody play in it three thousand miles an hour, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. And if you get it within bands that you, you're writing songs and you're like struggling to find a cool part, and when you finally find it, it's like wow, you know, it's it's the magic,
0: right? The magic right.
1: there, you know. Not, I mean, sometimes it comes easy. I, I do. Have, I'm recording with other people and they send me the, you know, the little demo so I can come in prepared. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, where is that little? And you find that little sweet spot. That's it. That's, or you have two or three different options for that, but right. you find their groove and it's pretty, it's pretty L- amazing.
0: L- lightning like, in a bottle, man. Once you get exactly.
1: it. Yeah, exactly. It's fun as hell. And you, know, you don't have just,
0: to wonder whether you got it.
1: Exactly. Or like say, it, the song plays itself. You know, it just, you're not thinking about it. It just mm-hmm. plays itself. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I love that podcast. I listened to that. That guy was good. Oh, Steve. Uh, yeah. He's funny. He's a great, he's
0: yeah. Great guy too. Yeah. So now so you had now, mentioned, um, you know, you the, the Anastasio band. So how, how, how open is he and how, um, is he, is does he, he kind of like give you free reign to do what you want? Or is he, is he is like he, making sure making everything's true. reeled in?
1: You know, it's song to song, but what we've been doing the last couple of records I'll go to New York and, and play him, just him and I, or maybe like another guy. Right. And right. We, get, we get to get the grooves down for the song that way. So when the rest of the band comes up, we already establish a foundation. And that's been, we've been pretty successful with that.
0: Nice, so that nice. gives
1: me an option to come and win my grooves or whatever, or within the songs, mm-hmm. you know. And we'll try different things and record them. And, and I remember last time we did it, we, for like uh, the last record, we didn't have that. It was like, Okay, I got. I got the guys. This guy's gonna be done by one o'clock, and it was like nine a.m. And we just we did fifteen songs. I remember mean, I was driving back down the, up the highway, like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and you know, maybe three quarters of that we used. Right, so, right. It, Like it was pretty cool. You know, hmm. he's a great guy to work with. And you know, in the beginning, when we first started playing, I brought in a lot of grooves too, and we ended right, up using them right. that way, which is totally amazing. I was totally in heaven. You know. To get some of my my stuff out there that way too. You know? Sure. Well,
0: how did how did that whole relationship start? Because I know you had worked with Trey on farmhouse and all that stuff. But did did were you guys working together before that as well?
1: Yeah. I, well, I've been coming up to Vermont. I was in that band Zebra. We started in Burlington, then we moved to LA. Like it's like how people end up where they end up. This mm-hmm. guy, he was from this band Osibisa from London. He met a woman from Vermont and moved here for a while and then you know I knew the singer it's like this whole thing happens right right so we were like this pretty popular band around Burlington and Tony was in this other band Kilimanjaro so we were on the circuit together mm-hmm. so we liked each other's playing so when Trey was looking for to do a side project he asked Tony and Tony he asked Tony who do you want to play drums I mean I'm looking for some kind of guy that's got some little afro feel or whatever he goes well let's try my buddy Russ and it clicked you know nice Look, so it's funny, so and I started coming up. I was still living in Mass and Boston, so I'd come up and rehearse, and we just did a couple of you know projects at that place, Higher Ground.
0: Right, right, right. So was that so, before Farmhouse? Because you wrote some tracks on Farmhouse and everything too, right?
1: Yeah, what we did, we did the trio tour in '99, and we mm-hmm. did a lot of songs that ended up on Farmhouse. Yeah, like right. Yeah, year. I remember.
0: I actually saw you guys in '99. So. Oh
1: wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, telling cool. you,
0: man. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I've been a, a Fish fan, and a Trey fan yeah. for. Oh. For years For and years and years, man. Like I think I mentioned I, – I don't know. i would probably been to 90, 90 shows or something like that.
1: Wow, man. That was a special little – that was a special run. And even then, I, I never forget that. We First, we did like – we opened uh, – higher ground opened up, and we had this band 8-foot fluorescent tubes that Trey put together with a mm-hmm. bunch of people. And then the next time, we went there as a trio – and I remember we did a couple sets and we did sand and I was like, came off stage like shaking. It was like, so good. I was like, what's going on right now? You know, <laughs> and the next day the phone rings, Hey, want to do a tour? I'm like, all right. Yeah. It's like, you know, You're like, like let's like, do it. Yeah. because well,
0: you, cause you know, and fish played a lot of those tunes. They played sand. They played, um, first tube, uh, God of Jabu was a, was a yep. solo record too. Right. Or solo tune. Um, yeah,
1: I brought those beats in, and, mm-hmm. and then it became songs. You know, so same thing I'm kind of doing with Ray on an instrumental thing. Yeah, I had like this because I've always been in songwriting bands. So mm-hmm. you're trying to or whatever. You're always logging in your little melodies or little beats. Right. You know, I was hanging out with these hip hop guys the other night. They're always talking about yeah, I made up some new beats. I'm like, yeah, I guess I do that too. You know, I'm always <laughs> right. about, you know, right. You know, so I always have a, a book full of beats and stuff. So right. And Trey took and he's such a great collaborator that I, remember, I never forget it when we first started working together. You know, I think it was on cassette. That's how long ago it was. Now, the truck, you know, the FedEx truck showed up at my house, and it was like a week later with like sand on it, first tube, you know, Mozambique, all these songs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this guy's got it going on, man. like, <laughs> And they st- they're still on the set list, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: I mean, they're, st- they're still playing those tunes. The one yeah. the one tune that I always loved that I don't I don't think Fish has ever played, but you guys played it and, um was Came In Review. I love that tune.
1: Yeah, I love that song. Such too, a
0: good tune, man. So did you did you co-write that as well or just played it? No, on?
1: no, that one you already had written. And then, okay. then you just kind of find a groove for it. And I, uh, yeah, I just, we, you know, that one you already had. That's a cool one. I, if you've seen that show Front and Center, that's mm-hmm. a it's a, uh, they just, that's on that one. But yeah, that song stayed in the list. I love playing that tune. It's, it's just, a great just plays It plays itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great tune. So what, what do you suggest for the listeners if they want to get into writing? Cause it's hard for us for drummers you know, to get into the writing side of things, because yeah. I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't play a lot of instrument. I don't play piano or guitar or bass or something like that, but I really want to write tunes. Uh, but you're, you're doing it and you're doing it successfully. So what are your, what are your, uh, what's your pieces of advice for people that want to do that?
1: Well, I don't know. I've always had plunked on the guitar for the amount of years I've been playing. I should be better at it. But I mean, I've always like had melodies in my head too. I mean, mm-hmm. so i always singing and when I got in and when I got in that band zebra, I would, I would just see how this guy was writing, and it, it being around the creative process more really helped too. Right. You know? And I just started. I got so much inspiration from that that I just started writing songs, you know. And then just keep try to do it every day. You
0: know? mm-hmm. So what are you writing on? Are you writing on piano or guitar? Uh, right. or-
1: on guitar mainly and then now because I'm working with Ray I'm writing like beats and now I'm even writing like three sections you know verse, chorus and a bridge or something even that doing three you know instead of hey I got this beat now it's like hey I got a B section for it too or whatever and right, trying to hash it out that way and he reacts to it and it's nice it's just he's a good collaborator so it mm-hmm. really helps mm-hmm. but I write songs like I got one song on iTunes now uh, on the Russ Lawton and I'm releasing singles here instead of doing a full album mm-hmm. I go to my buddy's studio and we add stuff to, and we're putting out one at a time I got another one coming out in a couple of weeks and then I, that I write on guitar nice and I, and, you know the,
0: the singles model seems to be the uh, the the choice of distribution as of late
1: yeah the- I mean yeah, it seems to be, you know, whatever, I'm doing a full album with Ray. Mm-hmm. We just got uh, rope dopes picked up our new record, so it's going to be on rope dope probably in the fall. Oh, great. And then, um, but so that's that's a full album. And this is, yeah, you know, it's like, it's like a sideline for me. I write, but if I was super, super prolific, I would be out front in some band or something. But, uh, you know, I really like being a drummer. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong with that, man.
1: No, no, I love it. It's funny because I ha- I did have a little project back near Boston that we would get together with my buddy, like the bass player from our band would play guitar and I would play guitar, but and we friend of ours was a drummer and after a while I'd be looking back like, Hey, I want to be playing this song on the right. drums.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I had a uh a friend of mine, we were we started a band together years ago, but he when we first met, he came over and he goes, oh yeah, you know, he played, we were auditioning him as a guitar player and he came over and he played and he could be played well, but it was like, eh, maybe we're looking for something different. And he said, well, I also play piano as well. And I said, oh, we well, should bring your piano over. So he comes over, he brings a Hammond B3 over and oh. with a Leslie and he is killing. I said, don't ever bring your guitar over again. <laughs> I oh, said, okay. you, I was like, that's all you're going to play. And you know what? Since then he hasn't played guitar at all. He's wow. just been, like every band that he's in, uh, you know, he's been touring and play. He play. He actually plays on and off with uh with Chubby Checker and a couple of different people, but but uh all on all on keys now. I'm like, you're welcome, man. I, I steered your your career in the right direction.
1: <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, the B3. I don't know if you know the Solely Monday band that I play with Ray mm-hmm. Pachkowski. It, he plays Hammond and Clav and the Wurliser. And, nice. Whirl- and and. I've always loved a B three, and that was always been my vision to be like have like this thing. We're doing it now; it's pretty cool. Not not my vision of this band, but just to play with a B three player. Sure, I play with a guy in Boston, and it's just amazing. It's just
0: so. Are you using a a bass player, or is he playing bass?
1: Uh, He plays left hand bass. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. He's we got one album on uh, on iTunes now, but and uh spotify and stuff but yeah he, he uh, he's a killer player he's just he's just been knocking me out in this new record what he's coming up with it's just really nice. so musical and just not chop or rant you know it's just his own right. it's so great
0: right i uh i've been fortunate enough. i grew up with the de francesco family so like joey de francesco and john i cut a record with johnny de francesco uh joey's brother and used to watch joey and johnny and their dad uh, papa de francesco Papa John De Francesco play, like, in my hometown. And I never realized how fortunate I was until the place goes down and everyone moved, and, you know, then they right. weren't around anymore. But I was like, man, I used to get to go watch these cats play all the time, like, every Friday night at this club. Wow. And, who like, random people, just, like Joe Pesci was there one night playing harmonica. And so it was crazy. But didn't realize how good we had it until, you know, until they left. And I, I wish I could go back there now and just – watch them every week
1: <laughs> yeah there's those places uh that I, ha- I i lived up in woodstock new york for uh, like one year before i got in zebra and it was a place the mm. joyous lake and mm. i saw so much music in that one year and, and i've ever had in my life it's like i remember that was like the big you know light bulb goes off i was i went in there i'm like wait a minute that's steve gad on the drums he's playing with that band stuff oh and i'm like wait a minute now and I've been listening to like Leprechaun or something by Chick Corea. You know, no, what right, I mean? right, right. Like, he's not playing anything. I'm going light bulb. I'm like, oh, yeah. And they gave him a solo and it was still so musical. But it's like, well, oh, that's Chris Parker. And like, it would be, oh man, I saw so much music there. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. These little places that just like, I go there so much. that the, the you know the doorman. Hey, Russ, come on in. They let me in for free. After a while, it just right. like, be be bugging everybody. So nice. Much.
0: And it, I love that you mentioned stuff because I've talked about. That a couple times on the podcast that not a lot of people know about that band.
1: I guess they've been, it's been a while now. I'm showing my age here. <laughs> no, I mean, I,
0: I know about somebody hipped me to it years ago uh, and, you know, gave me that gave because I think they only put out that one record from what I know of.
1: I think there might have been another one. I can't remember now. It's been a while, but I can remember that T-shirt, that album cover with the circle thing. But yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, but, and and the live and the live concert and they all have stuff shirts yeah, on.
1: That's what it was. That's what I'm thinking of too, yeah. <laughs> Every that's single
0: cool. one of them has a stuff shirt on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's I mean, oh man, that band was so good though. I mean, that's why all those guys were were uh, you know, were getting getting hired to do all. It was just all the studio cats and started their own band which but they were amazing. Yeah,
1: I, it was like, yeah. I
0: think Steve Gadd's the only one still alive that was in that band.
1: Wow, you know what? I was thinking about that because I know like uh, Cornell died, right? Yep. Then, did Gordon Edwards die? The mm. bass player? I don't. I don't know what he's up to, but
0: I. I think so. But let me. I'm going to look it up. while we're on the. while we're talking? I know
1: Richie passed. passed.
0: Yeah, he passed.
1: No, Chris Parker's alive, I think. The other drummer. There be two drummers.
0: Oh uh, right, right, right. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking kind of. of he, I guess I'm thinking of just. Um, yeah. But I wonder if, uh, let's see.
1: And the other guitar player, too, and I can't think of his name. I remember, I remember hitching, in, in my, my car broke down in Woodstock, and he, he went by, that that guitar player. I was laughing. Oh, uh, like,
0: yeah. Did he pick you up?
1: No, he didn't, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cornell, and I can't think of the other guy. He was more of a jazz player. Yeah,
0: I forget uh, his name, too. Uh, so there was Cornell Dupree, who passed away. Eric Gale. Eric Gale, yes. Eric, yes. he's dead, too.
1: Why, he died, too? Wow.
0: Yeah, so, like... Man. Which is, that's a shame, man. I mean, all, all, and I think that all of those guys died, you know, prematurely too. Yeah. Wow. You know? Yeah. Eric Errol died yeah. in 94. Really? Yeah.
1: Wow. That's a while ago, man. Yeah. yeah I got that. I, I, yeah. Gordon Edwards too. Jesus. Uh, I Actually, it's, I didn't,
0: I didn't see, uh, you know what? I didn't see if Gordon Edwards passed or not, but I hope not.
1: And if that's, you know, if anything, with all these podcasts, take care of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, people are getting older, man. And you're seeing that People are don't, I mean, sometimes it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, I've lost friends because of cancer or whatever, and it's sure. not their fault, but man, it's like, take care of yourself, man. It I, literally... I actually have
0: a podcast coming out with a guy that I, um, that I interviewed. He's like a, he's a personal trainer and he trains all these CEOs and all these like really uh, highfalutin people. But I wanted to have him on because you know we're we're always on the road and we're we eat like crap and we're in bars and and you know yeah. a lot of us don't take care of ourselves and everything i was like man we gotta i want to spread a little bit of that too about taking care of yourself mind body you know soul yeah. all that stuff you gotta have you gotta have all that happening so you can be healthy and just just you know keep yourself good to make some good music
1: it really makes a difference and I, i've been strict you know pretty strict eater for a long long time mm-hmm. And I, I learned the hard way when I was younger because I'd be out on the road and then drinking and not eating good. And like, I've got strep throat, man, really bad one time. And it just really kicked my butt. Was yeah. Like, whoa. I couldn't even play. Yikes. Stand, stand up late. And, you know, you really learn, you know, it makes a big difference. Even now with the internet, it's so easy to look for like good places to eat on the road, you know, mm-hmm. you could find it years ago it was a mystery or something you know right right, right. <laughs> i should travel with this little book called the tofu Toll Booth. oh really <laughs> i get my little book out oh, all right i'm in nashville oh plenty of places you know certain places i have it you know new right. york city it's like amazing it's vegan places everywhere you know
0: yeah yeah, yeah 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 you can every corner there's one
1: yeah it's easy you
0: know? <laughs> so speaking of being on the road what are your uh, what are your touring plans for the future do you have anything on the books now
1: uh, right now, Ray and I got some festivals this summer, but solely Monday. And I know Trey's and the, the, getting ready for that uh, Grateful Dead thing. So we'll probably mm. do something after Fish gets done, most likely. We usually get like last year. We were really busy, but this year I think we'll probably. I'm hoping we'll do something in the fall, maybe or something. You know, nice. As, as things, you know, as time develops here, we get the schedule or something. But because mm. we have a new album coming out too, which I think they'll probably release it in the fall or something. Okay. You know, I what? haven't heard. I haven't heard official officially but it's, uh they've they're releasing two songs from it uh for record day. Oh cool. Bounce and the song Never which sounds really cool.
0: Awesome, man. Yeah. And I'll, you know, all the stuff anything that you're that you're coming out with, man, definitely let me know and I'll spread it with the spread the word with the drummer's resource community too so everybody knows what you guys got going on, man, because I know it's going to be good, so.
1: Thanks. Yeah, the Soli Monday, I think we're going to release that in the fall sometime. We're figuring out like we just you know since we got on that Rope-a-Dope label which has a lot of kind of the same style of music we do so we're really mm. excited about it you
0: know? so the label that the label's out in New York right Rope-a-Dope? yeah okay the because the the clothing line is like from my hometown like right down the street from my house and oh, i guess really? i guess like the there was a clothing line and a and a record label and they sort of merged together
1: yeah that's part of the deal they they sell you merch online for you know, right. stuff. So it's, a, it's a it's a smart idea so it's, mm-hmm. cause, you know the business is so weird right now it's like when we we were like we got approached it's like i had i'm the last record deal i negotiated with my band it was like uh you know like thousands of dollars later with your lawyer i'm like I, sure. I, broke out, I broke out in hives i'm like not this. <laughs> And i was excited but it was like oh my god but
0: right it's a lot,
1: it's a lot different you know yeah it's, it's great it's a cool label they got like snarky puppies on that label mm-hmm. which, you know, mm-hmm. really well, and those guys are amazing and stuff but uh yeah we'll we'll see what happens you know
0: awesome man we're we're very
1: excited we we feel very honored to be asked you
0: know i'm excited for you man and that like you said that's a it is a great label they're a good group of guys and everything so yeah yeah that's cool that's awesome so now we've talked about all the things that you've done in the past and all the the successes that you have, but I always like to talk about some failure as well. And, and because that's part of this whole journey, um, you're not going to get every gig. You're not going to win every Grammy award. You're not going to, you know, you're not always going to get hired and you might get fired and all that stuff. So yeah. what's your advice on, or tell me a failure that you've had and how you overcame it and some advice that you have for the listeners of how they too can come over, can overcome some sort of failure that they may have had.
1: Well, God, you know, I think the first thing that goes to mind being a younger musician, you're practicing all the time and maybe, like again too, you're just thinking about licks or whatever and you, maybe your time, is, you're not aware of the feel as much, it's, it's much more an awareness of that too. Years ago, you know, you get, you get some book and there's no CD with it or anything, right. so you're just kind of playing and you just kind of like, for me, I know I kind of, I kinda was practicing too much and not playing enough with people. Mm-hmm. I got like insular for a while and it really took me a while to get back. Into that thing, or somebody saying, I remember one time I was in, in that band Zebra, and the thing was like, Russ, do you know your Russia fills? And I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. And it's like, you know, and back then it was now you can plug in your Vic Firth headphones with you in the metronome in your phone, and you got a good metronome. Back right. then it was harder, you know, you had to, mm-hmm. what you didn't just have a nice click track in your you right. computer, you know. So for me, it was like really working on my timing, buttoning that stuff up, or like even listening to counting off songs too fast, or whatever, mm-hmm. just being aware of all that stuff. And yeah. that was that was a the one that I I mean I work on my time all, all the time now too. Right, right, right. Really be aware that time awareness thing is so important. And
0: that's as that's what I've always gotten hired for. I don't know about you, but yeah,
1: me too. I, I, yeah,
0: I don't get hired for flash, you know.
1: No. I like it when people say, could you play a little bit more on this song? <laughs> 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 I'd rather them say that than say, could you play a little bit less?
0: Exactly. You- exactly. It
1: have to be one time and that was it, man. I learned my lesson.
0: Yeah. Th- you don't, you know, that only happens once or twice. You don't have to be told too many times for somebody to say, Hey man, stop playing or you yeah. know, calm down back there or whatever, whatever, you know, whatever they're going to tell you. I've gotten screamed at before and like, Hey man, what what are you doing? You sound like shit. You know what? Stop playing. <laughs> right. What, what's that the uh, the John Coltrane Miles Davis story about? Coltrane was playing with Miles Davis, and he said he was just playing and playing and playing and playing and playing, and, and Miles just kind of came up to him. It was you know after the solo, and was like, "Hey man," he was like. You got to stop playing so many notes. Like you got to come He's like, I'm sorry, man. I just get, I get excited and I start playing. I, I just can't, I can't stop. But he's like, well, try taking the horn out of your mouth.
1: Yeah, I've heard that. Now. Oh, man. I love those stories. I love that. I saw Miles one time and and, and and it was like I forget it was in the band, like Schofield or somebody. And I don't know if it was like, and it was really a great solo. One of the guys was doing, and Miles just went over the keyboard and does a does a chord clang. You go, okay. <laughs> next you're done it's like oh whatever it's like he he, his he just has really great editing i just think why his bands are so good he knew how to edit and just like you know how to put it all in right in perspective man it's really really great but yeah you learn you you learn you know whatever you just that's that old
0: that's that old school thing though like I, i feel like you know people are too worried about about uh you know, damaging the the musicians now, you know, like for me, I grew up with, like I said, with like the De Francesco's and all those guys and they were, they were brutal, you know, yeah. they were, they were tough. And they're amazing people. I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but you know, they had no problem turning around and saying you sound like shit, you know, or like I, I was talking on another podcast. I remember getting done a show and, and my drum, one of my mentors came up to me. And he was like, man, that shuffle is not happening. I don't yeah. know what you thought you were playing, but that shuffle right. was not cool, you know. And and I appreciate that kind of stuff. I want somebody to tell me that, but I feel like now you every, you know, younger the younger generation are, is sort of like you got to walk on this on this thin ice and make sure you don't hurt anyone's feelings.
1: Yeah, and and then we you, you don't want them talking behind your back and saying that stuff. I'd rather let somebody tell me, and then I'll go right. I'll go work on it. You know, right, Whatever. right. Please tell me. I mean, I mean, it's a tactful way to say it, too. But yeah, I mean, you, you hear these little things and like that. I mean, that guy was like, you rush your fills. And I was like, you know, I was like 23 years old or something. I was like hyped up, you know, drummer and like, well, maybe I better check. You know, thank you. I mean, yeah, I, it kind of shocked me. I was like, oh, it stopped me in my tracks, but I went and worked on it.
0: You mm-hmm. Know? Mm-hmm. I remember a guy told me I, I, my subdivisions. He was like, when you switch, he was like, your subdivisions don't line up. You know, like your 16th notes and your eighth notes don't sound right when you're coming out of a quarter note thing or something. I was like, oh, I never even knew that, you know, went home and worked on it. But had he not told me, I'd have never known. So,
1: yeah. And then, you know, of course, now you can tape everything and and, and hang on every note. Right. But but yeah, and it's just you really, you know, it's like what some guys say. It's like it's minor adjustments. It's Mm -hmm. It's like you suck or something. It's just that you need to button up, button it up, man. It's great. I do it all the time.
0: Me too. Me too. So before I let you go, I want to make sure that the listeners know uh, where they can find out more information about you and where they can follow you and, and all that stuff on social media. So let them know uh, where to find you.
1: Well, i rush uh And I got some videos on there and stuff and, you know, and uh, Sole Monday, S O U L E M O N D E. That's uh, Ray Patch, Koushi, and myself. That's our, our duo. And then of course with the trade band too and cool. then uh yeah man i'm around i teach I, I do the skype lessons and play around new york play, you know, we'll be out there playing a lot this year ray and i
0: so you do teach skype lessons so. i do yeah okay I, cool
1: I, I enjoy teaching i teach at a college here you know when i'm home and yeah i i, I enjoy it very much you learn you learn a lot man you do
0: you do <laughs> great well, awesome. So I'd suggest anybody wants to check out Russ's website, Russlawton.com. Um, and you know, check out when he's on the road. Go see him. He's a fantastic player and a hell of a nice guy. So definitely uh go out and, and check him out. And Russ, thank you so much for being part of the podcast, man. I really do appreciate it. I'm glad that we got this hooked up.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. It really means a lot to me, man. Uh,
0: it's my pleasure.
1: It's all about the drumming, man. And Ab- French too, man.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, man. And hopefully, uh next time you're in town we'll get the we'll get the hook up while you're here.
1: That'd be great. I I would
0: enjoy that. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so very much and much success in the future, man. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. So there you have it, Mr. Russ Lawton. Be sure to check him out at russlawton.com. Check me out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash drummers resource, on Instagram at drummers resource, and on Twitter at drummersrsource. And also, if you want to sign up for that 100th episode giveaway, be sure to do that at drummersresource.com forward slash 100. Until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.